Thanks, guys, for leading worship. I think that uh, if our church had an anthem, that'd probably be it. Well, it's, uh, it's Advent time, as you can tell. Probably can tell at your house, too. And uh, I, I need to do something real quick. Just come over here. I'm going to wave at y'all. But what I'm really doing is making sure our camera boys are paying attention today. And I don't think they are. They're not even stirring up there. Wake up! So far in our Advent season, we have um, celebrated the hope that we have, uh, have in Christ. And uh, the long-awaited rival of the Messiah. And in our scripture... When we go from Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, to Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, all we do is just flip the page. But in reality, the people that lived during that time waited 400 years, and they waited for that hope of the Messiah. And then last week, we talked about the peace and the purpose for Jesus coming that's available in the loving sacrifice of God's only begotten Son. And today we celebrate joy. And throughout, excuse me, throughout the world, people have different ways of life. Can we all agree on that? We do things a little differently. We have different beliefs, different customs, uh, different traditions, even home to home, right? Uh, different ways about going about life and how we do our job or even the jobs that we do. Uh, different ways of thinking, different behaviors, and even uh, the way we go about just daily life is different and unique to each of us. I think we can all agree on that. And this is true across the globe, right? In our own communities here in Emporia, we live life probably a little different than they do in Beaumont, Kansas, right, where uh, the Castis live, or uh, in Severy, or in Wichita. We just have a little different way of life. In our churches, okay, um, today in, in churches, people are gathering in all kinds of different denominations, and, and they're, they're doing things in a little different way. And even in our individual families, we all go about Christmas, for example, in a different way. Over the last 19 years, uh, we, and when I say we, I mean Angie and I, have uh, lived in six different homes. And, in, and because of that, we lived in six different neighborhoods. And because of those neighborhoods, we all had different neighbors, okay? The first place we lived, a little town home, it, I mean, we rarely saw our neighbors, even coming and going, Okay. Um, and then we moved to our, uh, another place in a nice little neighborhood, and we loved those neighbors. And it just on down the line. And um, depending on where we lived in those neighborhoods, it dictated a few things, right? Uh, where we shopped for groceries. We're not driving all the way across Olathe just because that's where we used to shop, okay? It, it changes the way you do things. And um, that also gave us direction on where our kiddos would go to school. Right, where they would play sports with kids their age and kids from around our neighborhood. And so over, uh, over the last 19 we've done things in different ways. In that same 19 years, we've been a part of three different churches. All do things in a different way. 
And because, uh, you know, some of it's because of the different size of the churches. Some of it's just the different locations. And, and obviously, it's because it's different people. And um, let's be honest, we just live in different times of life. 19 years ago was different than it is now. You think about where you were and what you were doing in 2003 and what, it, what it's turned into today. It's just different, right? And over the last 23 years, I've been a, uh, an educator in five different environments, five different learning environments in ministry and churches and in the school systems. And all of them had different methods of teaching. They uh, had different types of students, different age groups, different uh, age ranges, and different philosophy on how they should learn. And across the state of Kansas right now, in, in our district, the Kansas district, we have churches and pastors, uh, friends of mine, that are, that are having church, they're holding worship gatherings just like this one, but probably doesn't look just like this one. Because they do things differently. Uh, different types of styles. Most of it probably involves some singing. There was prayer. There's probably a message, okay? But they all just do things with different wrinkles. And part of that is just by their own personality and the impression of their church and what you guys bring um, to, to worship as well. And so what we're talking about is culture, right? Does that make sense? That, that we're talking about culture and how our lives are affected by the things that we uh, in, engage in and the things that surround us. And I just shared that over the last 20 plus years, we've experienced different types of cultures in our lives. Uh, and you can probably think right now, well, me too, we've been this and we've done this. Uh, but all were unique. All were defined by our surroundings and our location and our, uh, our relationships, right? Uh, and we define culture in different ways. But basically, it boils down to this. It's a group of like-minded people. And we've used that definition uh, in the terms of an ecclesia, this, this uh, gathering of like-minded Jesus followers that are all on the same path of following Christ. But it's a group of like-minded people that they think similarly, they behave the same, they share life in similar ways. So here's a few different types of cultures you can probably add to this list, okay? Um, there's groups of people, they live in different countries, right? So the United States, we have our own culture, um, and it's actually probably divided up into thousands of little cultures, subcultures, but we do life and we'll celebrate Christmas, for example, differently than they would in India or in Malawi, Africa, right? It's just different, okay? Because uh, we were at the um, district pastor's luncheon, and uh, uh, Philly Chombo, one of our general superintendents, he's from South Africa, and he talked about Christmas when he was growing up on the beach, okay? Because it's warm in, in Africa at that time of year, and it's just a different culture, um, and, and so people go about different ways of life, and they, that's dictated by where you're located. There's a different, uh, there's a kind of people, this is a culture that they participate in the same social groups, okay? Um, for example, this would be considered our own culture right here. We're, we're all like-minded. We're all here together today, so we have a nice little culture going on uh, of, of religion, okay? So our, our beliefs are similar we all line up and we have done things the same 
um, we, we agree on all those things. And uh, there's, there's a culture of sports teams, right? You, you can play basketball or baseball or soccer or volleyball. You can play club, which is really competitive. Or you can play recreational, which is just for fun. There's all kinds of different ways. And we could just keep naming those. But today, I want to talk about one culture that actually just kind of um, gripped my heart when I heard about it. And I recall it, it, it goes back a little bit, but it's a culture of joy. It's a culture of joy. And the third Sunday of Advent revolves around joy coming down from heaven to earth in the person of Jesus. In the past two weeks, we've talked about hope, and we've, we've learned about peace and the, and the purpose that we have in the Messiah that arrived that one early, early Christmas morning. And as we settle in today, I want to talk about the lifestyle, the, the culture of joy that we engage in because of Jesus. And um, if we had to put a bottom line on it today, that uh, if you had to get up and leave for whatever reason um, and you missed the rest and didn't care to go back and re- listen to it, the bottom line today is that our joy comes from Christ. So, a culture of joy, it's a fascinating concept that really um, hadn't thought too much about, you know, making the, making the association between this culture and the, the concept of joy. Uh, and I heard about it back in April. And um, we'll, we'll show uh, where I heard it from here in just a moment. But first, I'd like to take a second and make sure that we're all on the same page, at least for today, Okay. Uh, maybe not every day, but at least for today, and talk about the definition of joy and maybe a couple other things. So uh, a lot of times joy is equated with what? Happiness, right? Joy and happy, they're the same thing. And um, so we want to kind of draw a line between those two today. And, And so we all are looking through the rest of today through the same window, okay, through the same lens if we can. And many will equate that joy and happiness in the same pool, but while they have similar characteristics, they are um, very different. So, happiness. Happiness is this. And if you want to write this down, write it down. If you want to just remember it, remember it, okay? Happiness is an emotion in response to the current outcome. Happiness is is an emotion in response to the current outcome are the circumstances that are right here going on. Happiness is current. It's in the moment, okay? Um, so, for example, the birth of your child, if you just had a kiddo, that's a happy time. But they're only born once, right? Now, obviously, we hope they're born again in Christ, but the event of their birth happened once, and that's a happy moment. It's a moment in time, though. Say you got a good grade on a test. Raise your hand if you got a good grade on a test this week. Amen. All right. That's a happy time, right? Absolutely. But it's a moment in time. Why? Because there's probably another test pretty soon, most likely. How about hitting the game-winning shot in basketball? We spent all day yesterday in a gym watching basketball, and fortunately, we didn't have any close games like that. But hitting the the game-winning shot in a basketball game, that's happy time. Okay, that's happiness. It's a moment in time, and sometimes those times are very short. Okay, let me show you what I mean. I have a video that I'd like to play, and then we're going to kind of break it down. 
Um, so we're going to play about 20 seconds. And we're going to watch it. Uh, let's go ahead and play the video and see what uh, happy time this is. Okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to set this up. Um, so the final four was last spring, right? And that happens every year. Even in a COVID time, there was a final four. The, the, uh, two years ago, we didn't get that. But last year, they made it possible for the final four to happen in basketball. And it's a great event. 68 teams or whatever get to compete and run it down. And, uh, and so... In this video, we're going to see the, the semifinal of the Final Four. It's UCLA versus Gonzaga. Now, UCLA, they were an 11 seed, a double-digit seed making it all the way to the Final Four. That's pretty much everybody that puts a tournament together saying, you don't belong here, but you're going to get a chance, right? And they had a great tournament, and UCLA makes it to the Final Four. And then there's Gonzaga, Gonzaga Bulldogs. They are undefeated. The number one overall seed, and uh, oh, here's what happens. Here we go. UCLA has the ball. They're in blue right now, and they're down by two. Okay, that's awesome, right? He tied the game. Johnny Juzang, that's his name, number three. He misses the shot, gets the shot back, and he makes it, and he ties the game. And there's 3.3 seconds left. We should be already in overtime, right? We should be okay. We're getting to overtime, and against the number one team in the country, only 3.3 seconds to go, but wait, because happiness fades quickly. Let's watch what happens. Okay, a little recap. Missed it. Tied it. Okay, here we go. 3.3 seconds to go. Oh, my goodness. That, got, that went from happiness to dejection in 3.3 seconds. Okay, and the Gonzaga players were ecstatic. This is them just seconds after their, their happiness meter spiked, right? But then two days later, they would encounter what is defined as a culture of joy. And this is where I kind of got the concept. So um, before we kind of move through to the next part of that, joy, we, we talk about happiness being an emotion that uh, comes from, the, it's in response to the current outcome. Well, joy is, oh wait, hold on, time out. Okay, thank you. Uh, joy is this durable and permeating gratitude. It's this palpable thankfulness and gratitude that's rooted in an unchanging outcome. It's, it's durable and permeating gratitude that's rooted in an unchanging outcome. Happiness is the birth of a child. We talked about that, right? But that's a moment in time. Joy is the relationship in the um, times of life that you get to experience with that kiddo throughout all of life. 
It's the relationship that you develop with them. That's joy because it's ongoing. It's sustainable. Happiness is repeated daily, okay? That's what joy is. It's a lifelong experience. Happiness is that good test, right? We've got the good test. But joy is the diploma that you get after a series of tests, after years and years of tests. And there's always another one, even if you're not in school. Just know that. But ha- so happiness repeated over time. Joy is durable. It can take some hits along the way, right? And, and, and it's really unfazed. Even though times aren't perfect in your life, you can still have joy. You understand that? You can have bad times in your life and not be happy. But you can possess joy. Because joy is rooted in an unchanging outcome. Joy is sustainable. Okay? It's, it's in for the long haul of life, regardless of the circumstances, it, because it's rooted in the unchanging outcome. It's a lifestyle. It's experience in the presence of God through the even though dot, dot, dots. Remember that? Of our life. The, the, the valley of the shadow of death. Let me tell you what I, what I mean. Um, a week and a half ago, Angie and I went to Olathe to attend a funeral for some friends of ours whose daughter passed away. And uh, when I first started full-time ministry, I was a recreation director at College Church in Olathe, and we ran upward leagues, which you've done here, right? We, we did that here at this church for a season. And Brian and Wendy were pivotal people in launching that. They didn't go to our church, but their kids were involved in Upward. They were involved in Upward, and they were so encouraging to us as we launched this program. And they were, they were a part of it, even after their kids aged out and, and got too old to be in it. Well, uh, during that time, um, after Maya was born, they found out they were pregnant, and they were excited. It was good. Now, um, their, their oldest daughter was in the fifth grade at the time, so they would have been spread out, which is cool. But the 20-week sonogram came, and it was devastating that little Jamie Sue uh, had some terrible, debilitating brain I- images uh, on that sonogram, and the projection was she could live maybe 30 minutes to a couple hours after she was born. Jamie lived to be 14 because of the grace of God, and she lived a joyful life. She knew Jesus, despite, and listen, she had her setbacks, but she was all there, and God knew her, and she loved Jesus with all her heart. Well, um, over Thanksgiving, Jamie had a couple seizures, which that's imminent uh, with her condition, her brain issues, and uh, she passed away. And she was a, she is a, uh, she was a uh, organ donor, and so I don't know if you've seen these, but they call them honor walks. And uh, honor walks are for those who are donating their organs to save lives, where they line the halls with all the hospital staff, and the family walks them to their, their final place where they, they, they take the, the body back. Well, during this time of waiting, it's an advent of a, of a, so they had to wait three days. The family did, and so they waited with Jamie, and they had a praise party. 
And they're on our walk on the video. You see their family uh, playing uh, praise songs, hands raised, worshiping, because they know exactly where Jamie is, right? So joy in those circumstances seems impossible. 14 years old, and um, she passes just like that. And uh, it's this lifestyle, this presence of God, even though dot, dot, dot. That's what joy is. It affects our beliefs. It affects, it affects our behaviors. It, it, it changes our customs, our traditions that we engage in when we live in a culture of joy. But it's not something new. So last April... Um, I heard it kind of packaged differently, this concept of joy, and it made a very simple, uh, the very simple concept of joy uh, a, very, a great idea. And so two days after Jalen Suggs hits that shot in the semifinals for Gonzaga, um, they face, uh, Gonzaga faces Baylor University in the national championship game. And we'll cut right to the chase, Baylor whipped them. It won by 16 points, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't even that close. It was a blowout the entire game. But a couple of things here. Fa- you know, happiness fades, remember? Uh, remember this picture, right? Up in the corner, yeah, we won to two days later. A little dejection. Same team, same group, different outcomes, changing outcomes. Happiness faded because it wasn't rooted in this unchanging outcome that we're talking about. As a kid, I, we sang a song in Sunday school, before Sunday school started, and um, it was all about joy. Jesus, others, and you. Okay, and I'm not going to sing it for you. Okay, um, but that's what it stood for. Jesus, others, and you. And after the national championship game, um, I heard this, and then I was reminded of it a couple times um, since then that this is, a, this is a great example. The, the MVP of the national championship game was Jared Butler, and he is a great Christian guy. He teaches Sunday school. He's a Division I basketball player, but he teaches Sunday school at his local church there in Waco, Texas, which is really cool to little kids. And he talks about the culture of joy that their program had. So I went back, and I, I went and I tried to see what they meant by that. What, what are you talking about, culture of joy? Because I love that phrase. And here's what Jared Butler said about a culture of joy. It's just a quick video of him explaining it. So a couple things there. First of all, wouldn't you like your brand to be Jesus? I think there's a sermon in there somewhere. Jesus, others, and you. It's this hierarchy of how we live our lives. That we put Jesus first. That we put others 
after that, and then we think about ourselves. And that's how they dealt with it. So Baylor, for three weeks, shut their program completely down because of COVID. Like, all but three of the players and coaching staff had COVID at one point during the season. And they end up winning the national championship because they stuck with it. They, they remained faithful in their, in their relationship with Christ and then their trust in each other to be better. So uh, today, in the book of Philippians, if you want to turn with me there today, we'll be in Philippians chapter 4. Uh, Paul... The Apostle Paul writes a letter to the church in Philippi, and he writes it about 11 years after he initially starts the church there in Philippi. So he knows these people. He has encountered them already. He spent time with them. He knows their culture. He knows the way they believe and who they are and what they do. And he wrote, he wrote this while he was in prison, which is pretty typical of Paul. Um, he wrote a lot of things while he was in prison, waiting for his death. Because of his faith. And the Philippian church plays a pivotal role in Paul's ministry. Uh, they support him spiritually through constant prayer and support. And they also gave financially to Paul being able to resource him traveling and taking the name of Jesus to the uttermost parts of the earth. And the, so Philippians is, is Paul's book of joy. It's his letter of joy. It emphasizes the real joy of the Christian life. And he talks about it 16 times in just a matter of four chapters. So it's really the main theme throughout the book of Philippians. And it defines for us what a culture of joy looks like. So let's read Philippians uh, chapter 4, verses 4 through 8. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, be present uh, to present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Jesus, others, and you. It's the sequence, this hierarchy that Jared Butler was talking about and Paul is talking about here in Philippians that embraces a culture of joy. Remember, joy is this durable um, gratitude, this permeating gratitude that uh, is rooted in unchanging outcomes. And you probably kind of see where we're going with this in, in, in the next few minutes. But the lifestyle that embraces uh, the command that we talked about last week, to, to love one another. As I have loved you, you should love one another. Paul tells us um, that we should rejoice and this is the Jesus part of the culture of joy. Rejoice and rejoice a lot, right? Rejoice again. And when the Bible, when Scripture says uh, something twice in a row, we should really stand up and listen, right? Um, because uh, there's only so many words in Scripture that God wanted to impress on mankind, and He chooses to say it twice, we should probably pay attention, okay? That's true wherever things are repeated in the Bible. 
But rejoicing is, is, is just, just action of joy. It takes what's in our hearts, in our lives, and it expresses it. It takes what we possess in our hearts and makes it visible to others. It's an expression of joy. And it can be, easily, it, it can be easy for us to get down in the trials of life, can't it? And sometimes our lives are just roller coasters. We get great news, we get bad news, we have something great happen, we have something bad happen. But throughout that, that's the happiness-sadness meter, throughout that, joy can be sustainable. And Paul's writing this letter probably because he heard that the Philippian church was struggling. They were having this, this issue with recognizing the joy that they all share in the Lord. And so he's telling them to rejoice as well. And this is just a reminder to us that our joy comes from Jesus Christ and, and no one else and his dwelling in our hearts. And that we are rooted in an unchanging outcome that is Jesus' love for us, that never changes. And then we, so that's, that's the Jesus part of joy, that we just rejoice, that we express, that we share what God has done for us in our lives. And why? Because of his death and resurrection. That's the purpose, right? We talked about that last week. Why we have the opportunity to possess that joy. Then we read on, let your gentleness be evident to all. To all. This is the others. Okay? We have Jesus, we have others. The others in the, in the culture of joy is our joyful lives should be on display. That we don't just stay home and hide it from everybody. And we express this to everyone. Not just the people we like. Right? We, we express it to other Jesus followers. We express it to those who don't follow Jesus. To those that believe like we do. To those that choose to to believe something different. They, they choose a different lifestyle. They go in a different direction. Maybe they're not a piece, they don't have a piece of our culture in this room, for example, but we still have the obligation and the command that we should love everyone and that we express that joy to everyone. Let our gentleness be evident to all. Okay, and gentleness, joy, they, they're, they're coupled, they're both fruits of the Spirit. They're things that we should do when we are doing things God's way. And we extend the same grace to others that's been extended to us, right? That our joyful heart and attitude and our behaviors, that we can make an impact on all that we encounter when we let that be evident to all. So we have Jesus, we have others and then the last part of the culture of joy is you. And uh, he gets to, finally at the end, he challenges us to think on a few things. To take heart of this lifestyle of joy. That whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, anything that is praiseworthy and excellent, excellent what should we do? Think about these things. Think about those things. Not whatever is false. Not whoever slanders you. Not whatever is, uh, has zero integrity whatsoever. Not whatever is full of lust and, and, and impurities. But whatever is true and noble and pure and right and lovely and, and praiseworthy and excellent. Think on these things. And when we put our hearts and minds, whatever we put into our hearts and minds, 
will come out. It's just evidence all the time. And Paul's telling us, hey, you got to program your heart to be about this culture of joy. That whatever we're putting in, whatever engulfs our heart in the love of Jesus, that we, to constantly be seeking a deep relationship with Him, and because if we do, then those things are going to resonate from us out of the overflow of our hearts. And because, you know, if we fill our hearts with conflict and rage and lust and malice and a list of other crazy worldly things, what's going to happen? What's going to come out? How is that going to be expressed? For sure, it will steal our joy and cause us to seek these short doses of, of happiness, not joy, of happiness outside of the will of God, right? That's going to happen. And we can find happiness around every corner. It's just three clicks away or whatever, okay? Because happiness is this emotion that is ever-changing and dependent on the outcome that's right in front of us, in the moment. In the idea that our lives can find happiness in small doses in the world, it's very true. We can, uh, we can, it's not sustainable, it's not durable, but we can find those short blasts of happiness anywhere we want. And it's not hard to find, and, uh, they're, but they're, like I said, they're not sustainable. They'll fade away fast. Remember our picture. Remember, our, remember how fast 3.3 seconds is not a lot of time, okay? Two days is not a lot of time. Uh, the, the, these short doses of happiness, they're not durable. They can't stand up to constant conflict that tries to tear us down and, and rip us apart from our relationships inside the cultures that, we have, that we're a part of. The, the joy of Advent season, it, it's rooted in an unchanging outcome. And it's expressed through this culture of joy. That our joy comes from the Lord. And this, the Savior that came to save us from our sins in the person of Jesus that did more than just command us to love one another, didn't he? He did way more than just say things. He demonstrated them in full view of the world. There, there wasn't a secret. When Jesus was born, a host of heavenly angels had a concert out on the Flint Hills, right? And blew up those, those uh, shepherds, right? They... they Jesus was born in full view of the world. His, his birth announcement was by angels, by hosts of angels. Nobody else can say that, right? I don't think, okay? So it was done in full view of the world. And in his arrival and late, years later, in full view of the world while he hung on a cross. That, that defeating sin that separates us from God comes from the true joy giver. Jesus possessed that joy, and he went through the worst thing imaginable for us. Our world is overloaded with different cultures, and um, it's promoted and embraced in different ways, right? The, the different ways of life, different ways of thinking, 
If you turn on the TV for 10 minutes, you're going to experience that probably six or seven different types of cultures in, in just a short amount of time. Different ways of acting. We, we've seen all kinds of things on the news reported. We, we see it in our own community, the way that people act, not necessarily participating and rejoicing and letting their gentleness and joy be evident to all, but they're, 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 they're finding these short doses of happiness instead. And I encourage you today, as we embrace this culture of joy during the Christmas season, that Jesus comes first in your life, and, and that you seek him for joy. And you can do that today, okay? That others see you as someone that is rooted in the unchanging outcome of God's love. Because that never changes. He, God went to great lengths to send his son Jesus to die on a cross for us. So that we can embrace, that, that, we, that we find ways to embrace what is true and noble and lovely and pure and right and admirable and praiseworthy and excellent. This life that only the Father can provide. And you have that opportunity to be ushered into a culture of joy. And it's a, it's a personal decision and something that you can um, proudly rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. We sang it today. Sang it twice, right? Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what we want today. And all you have to do is just pray and say, God, I'm a sinner and I repent of my sins. I want you to be my Savior. And if you do that, He will usher you into this culture of joy. And then we can become part of um, a bigger body of believers that will encourage us and live life with us, go through life with us, so that we can rejoice when great things happen to them, that we rejoice in their rejoicing, that we come alongside them when they're hurting. And I encourage you, if you've not done that, to do that today. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful today that you are with us, that you are here in this place with us. Your Holy Spirit is dwelling right now with us in this culture of joy, in this group of like-minded people that are following you, that are seeking you to find a deeper relationship with you that they're striving to daily give their lives in service to you. And Father, we just, we're thankful for this idea that we can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, that we have the opportunity to um, be a part of this durable gratitude that's sustained and a lifestyle of, of joy that, that goes um, goes on and on because it's rooted in an unchanging outcome that is your love for us. And as we go this week, we pray, Father, that you will bring it into our lives 
the opportunity to express our joy, that we have the opportunity to rejoice. And that can look differently to different people, but Father, we just pray for the opportunity to make that impact, that our gentleness will be evident to all, and that we will seek to fill our hearts with the things that that glorify you, that are pure and loving and right and excellent and praiseworthy. That we, that we program our hearts and it just becomes second nature to us in this culture of joy that we express to others, that it's, that it, that it's just palpable to anyone that we come in contact with. Father, we love you. We're so thankful for the opportunity to serve you in a great way. Go with us this week as we gather together in our homes, as we get together with friends and family. We, we think about the incredible opportunity that's in front of us this week in the live nativity, that, that you'll help us to express this culture of joy to others, that it will make a deep and, and lasting impact in their lives as they experience your story here on earth as you arrived as our Savior. Lord, we love you, and we have... Uh, we, we place all our faith in you. We're so thankful for all you do. And we'll be very careful at the end of the day to give you all the glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. Don't forget, this afternoon, 3 to 6 p.m., drop in, have a little snack at the open house, live nativity. Got to see your faces. Love you all. Have a great day. God bless.